Since this month our topic has been the Holy Spirit, we're going to look at the spiritual covering that represents the Holy Spirit. In Psalms 91 verse 1 it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. This is a very famous psalm and one that we always read when we are in trouble. And it is, it is so emblematic of God's nature that he provides the covering. It says, surely he will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. We've been promised deliverance from every trap of the enemy. He shall cover thee with his feathers. The King James Version translates that word kanaf feathers, but it really represents a skirt or a covering. And under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. So today we're going to look at the first covering and the final covering It's the covering that gives us the opportunity to become a son of God. The Bible says he to them gave he power to become. We're in the process of becoming sons of God. And we can only do that through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as always, we start in Genesis to see the first covering. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. In other words, the word. Everything that comes out of God's mouth as breath is really the word. And man became a living soul. So what I want to uh, conceptualize is the process. When the spirit, the logos, the thought, activates in the physical, how it manifests is as the breath or the wind or the word. And when you get the word manifesting in flesh and incarnated with flesh, that's when you have a son of God. It's when the word gets incarnated into flesh, becomes a covering, you have a son of God. And that was the first covering that made Adam and Eve children of God. Without that covering, the Bible in another scripture says, without his spirit, we are none of his. And that's why it's so important in this month that we are studying the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And in fact, this Sunday we're going to go into some of the things that the Holy Spirit does for us. Probably one of the most famous uh, parables that Jesus taught in the New Testament really culminates or climaxes with a son being covered. And it really represents man's fall into sin and how in the story of the prodigal son, he came to his senses and says, I will return to Father's house. That's what our mission is, to have people return to Father's house. And of course, in the story, the Bible says he he sees him afar off. Afar off from the house, he runs out to meet him. Now, remember, this son was coming home in a mess. He had no ability to look after himself. He, He came straight from the pigsty. Many people 
when they want to come to God, they say, I've got to get myself kind of prettied up first, or I've got to fix this first. No, you don't have any ability to provide the covering. Let's look at the story in Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. Sometimes we have to get into hard circumstances before we wake up to the fact that only God can deliver us. Only God can make a way. Sometimes God lets us get into circumstances because that's the only way we learn. The only way we will come to our senses to acknowledge him. While he had the money, while things were going good, while he was partying, there was no impetus. There was no um, pushing to return to father's house. But it was when he was in trouble, it was when he was hungry, it was when he was uh, down at the bottom, so to speak, that he woke up and understood where he was. And many times God will use circumstances to speak to us because he wants us to come to our senses. Verse 18, he says, I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned. This is the first step. Of, 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 of getting back with the father is repentance. He acknowledged the fault was himself. It wasn't the father's fault. It wasn't because the father was mad at him or did anything. He said, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. The first step in receiving that covering is repentance. The first step is repentance, acknowledging our need for God, acknowledging where we are, acknowledging that there was nothing he could do. He had no money. He had no food. He probably uh, smelled bad. He probably looked bad. He looked awful. But we see that the father, the first thing, and I've taught this before, the father did was to cover him. In Luke fifteen twenty two, it says, but the father said to the servants, bring forth the best robe. Not the second best robe, the best robe. God's gift is always his best. He doesn't give you a used robe. He gives you of his best. The Bible says he will pour out of my spirit, not somebody else's spirit. You can't get better than God's spirit. He didn't say, um, he looks like he stinks, so let's just not, let's just get a towel and cover him. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. That is what the Holy Spirit is. It's God's gift of his own spirit. And put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. He covered him so that no one could tell that he was still not a son. When he was walking back to the house, he still had the robe on him. He had the ring of sonship. That's what God will do. This is the only way we can be covered is by the Father. And that process would not have happened until he came to his senses. So it's the covering always comes from the Father. We can't be uh, covered any other way. And he didn't try and clean himself up. That was impossible too. He had no resources to clean himself up. He came straight to the Father, and the cleaning, the covering, was done by the Father. In John chapter 3, verse 3, of course, this is our core theology, our core message. Jesus answered and said unto Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
And then in verse 5 he says, repeats it. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. See, we absolutely have to have that covering to be able to enter the kingdom of God. Without being born of the water, our sins are not remitted. And without being covered by the Spirit, we are not belonging to God. It's the equivalent of the ring and the robe. Amen. But let's go back into the Old Testament. And before we look at the models that God has created, we're going to read in Hosea where God directly tells us why he created these ceremonies and some of the things that he asked the Jews to do because they were symbols, models. Hosea chapter 12, verse 10 says, I have also spoken by the prophets and I have multiplied visions and I have used similitudes. In other words, God was saying some of the things that he asked them to do were models. They weren't the thing themselves, but they were shaped to give us an understanding of a future fulfillment. Similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. Especially Ezekiel, he told him to lay on his side for a while. He was showing how Israel was going to be um, abused. And so he had the prophet model uh, laying on his side and eating all kinds of horrible things. So most of the things that we see in the Old Testament that God did, it was for a model and to outline some future fulfillment. Exodus 25 and verse 8 says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. This sanctuary was a model of something that we're going to look at. It was temporary because they were on a journey from Egypt to the promised land. You understand that we are dwelling in a tabernacle, a temporary tent, because we're on a journey from Egypt, sin, to the promised land, to our heavenly home. So it was temporary. That means it was uh, not to be the permanent dwelling. Uh, It was during the wilderness journey. And of course, God memorialized that in the very last feast or ceremony that he gave the Jews called um, the Feast of Tabernacles. And in the Feast of Tabernacles, for seven days, they were to dwell in booths, little um, makeshift things that they made out of bushes and twigs and branches to symbolize our current journey. We are dwelling in a temporary tabernacle. But yet, if the tabernacle was consecrated, if it was uh, hallowed, God's spirit dwelt within it, but it was just to be temporary. And it was built in three stages. Uh, Let's look at that. The first start of the journey, the tabernacle was temporary while they were traveling from Egypt to Canaan. And this is brought forth even more strongly in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul because he he makes it plain. He says, 2 Corinthians 5.1, For we know... If our earthly house of this tabernacle, this tent, were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You understand, just like the children of Israel had to journey from Egypt to Canaan, we are journeying from a sin and from our birth as sons of men to our destiny as sons of God. If we were to die, if this tabernacle were to die, then we would have a permanent dwelling yet to come. Now, the importance of all of this is that God set up this tabernacle plan as a model to illustrate 
our present circumstance and where we were going. So he told Moses to build it after a pattern. Let's read that. Exodus 25, 9. He told him, according to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and after the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall he make it. And of course, the tabernacle, as you know, was divided into three parts. There was the outer court, and at the beginning there was an entrance with five panels that you had to come in, the entrance gate. And then the first thing was the brazen altar, the altar of sacrifice. And then there was the brazen laver where the priests would wash after um, offering the animals, after slaughtering the animals. And then they came to the veil of the, of the court, of the holy place. And inside that were three pieces of furniture. As they would go in on their left was the, the seven candlesticks that we, we call today the menorah. And on their right were the table with the 12 loaves of bread called the bread of his presence. And then right directly in front of them, right by the very last curtain, was the altar of incense, the golden altar of incense. And then behind the curtain, of course, were the Ark of the Covenant that was covered by the mercy seat, the Holy of Holies. And this tabernacle represents today our body. Each time they had to journey, it was temporary. It was not the permanent dwelling place that God wanted for them. And it represents, of course, our present situation. The outer court representing our body. The holy place, the inner court, represents our soul. And the Holy of Holies was the, where the Spirit of God dwelt. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify, that means set you apart, Holy, that means all of you. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body, in other words, your whole temple, your whole tabernacle, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Blameless. That means not necessarily perfect, but blameless. That means the sin has been paid for. There is no accusation. We're going to get into that. This is our temporary covering. Now, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would hover over in the form of a cloud by day and a column of fire by night. And as long as it stayed there, that's when it, when they, where they were camped. But when it was time to move, it moved, and they would start to pull up camp and follow it wherever it went. Remember what the Scripture says? Those that are led by the Spirit, to them gave He power to become. We're in the becoming phase. Amen. As long as we're following wherever the Spirit leads us. So we are now in this temporary tent. In fact, in Acts 15, verse 16, at their first church council, I believe James got up and he reminded about the prophecy uh, about Jesus rebuilding the tabernacle. It says, And after this I will return, and I will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. So we are now in this tabernacle, this temporary tent. We're in the caterpillar stage yet. We're still crawling along the ground. But one day, we're going to be changed and get our permanent dwelling. Revelation 11, 12, 2 says, But the court which is without the temple... Leave out and measure it not. Remember, the outer court represented the flesh. 
This flesh is not going to heaven. In fact, the Bible says that we have to die daily. We have to put this flesh to death. We have to mortify the deeds of the body. Paul in Romans 7 explains that it cannot be subject to the laws of God. Therefore, he serves God with the inner man, with his soul, with his spirit. Because no matter how much we think we would like to be perfect, we make mistakes. We err. We fall short of God's perfect uh, man in Christ Jesus. And it says here, But for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. But I'm so glad that that is not the end of the story. This is not the permanent dwelling place. In fact, it was the reason uh, that God allowed death into the world so that we could get a new dwelling place. If we lived immortally in this corrupted body, then we would be in a terrible state. But God said, let, let he put forth his hand and live forever. Because God had a new plan. He was going to give us a new supernatural body, not subject to death, our permanent dwelling place. Just as like when the children of Israel finally reached Canaan, they built a permanent dwelling place, a beautiful temple. The tent was great, but the temple was greater, so much greater. The temple then represents the next dwelling place for our soul and for God's covering spirit. 1 Kings 8.10 tells us, And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. That's what we are aiming for. I want God's glory to fill me, not to boast, but so that he directs my life, that I am his servant, that I am submissive to him, that I am listening to his voice. That was the purpose of the tabernacle. That was the purpose of the temple. So it is a place that God's glory could fill. That's what God wants to do. He wants to fill us to the uttermost, to fill us with his glory. Verse 12 says, Then spake Solomon, The Lord said he would dwell in the thick darkness. I have surely built thee a house to dwell in, in a settled place for thee to abide in forever. So just like the tabernacle represented the temporary journey, the temple represented the permanent place. This is what God was trying to model and demonstrate to us. Now, as I said, the, temp- the tabernacle was great, but it did not compare, compare to the glory of the temple. God has got a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, waiting for us, to them that endure to the end. The temple then was the model of the next stage. The temple was built for his glory to permanently dwell in. Now, there were a few differences between the tabernacle and the temple. Two of the differences are that there were two great big posts or columns at the entrance of the temple that were not modeled in the tabernacle. And they were named. One was called Achan and one was called Boaz. And they represent strength, amen, and wisdom. You could not go through the gate without passing these two columns. They were embroidered on the top with um, a a representation of lilies. And it's amazing in the New Testament, of course, it's revealed what these two columns mean. Because 
Paul says Christ has become our wisdom and our strength. And Jesus said, you cannot come to the Father but by me. You had to go past those two columns to get into the temple. Amen. We cannot enter heaven without going through the covering process. We cannot enter heaven as a naked soul. Amen. Revelation 21 verse 7 says this, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. My message Sunday was, who was writing your book? Who is writing your book? Because only Jesus can put your name and make sure your name stays in the Lamb's book of life. It's not about money. It's not about where you were born or who you were born to. Revelation 3.17, speaking about the Laodicean church, says, Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. See, without God's covering, we are naked. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 1 says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Ephesians 4.30 tells us this, And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. What all of these scriptures are pointing to is that we have to have a covering, God's covering, to be able to enter heaven. Amen. This is absolutely necessary. Jesus said that without his spirit, you are none of his. You know, God provided a temporary covering in the Old Testament, and that was the blood. Because Jesus had not yet died. There was no other spirit covering. So the animal sacrifices were provided for a temporary covering until Jesus himself could come and be the final covering. Leviticus 17.11 is where the blood sacrifice was explicitly given. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement. And in the Hebrew, that word kafar means covering, a covering for your souls. God instituted the animal sacrifice as a temporary covering because there was nothing else that could cover man's soul in death. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement, an atonement, a covering for the soul. Now let's go into some of the things that we're covered from. And this is quite uh, amazing and encouraging. We are covered, you know, when you get an insurance policy... It gives you coverage. You're covered from all kinds of things. You're covered from having to pay for damage. Well, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate insurance policy. We're covered, the Bible says, from accusation. First Thessalonians 5:23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit and body be preserved blameless. That means accusation unto the coming of our Lord. Faithful is He who calleth you, who also will do it. This policy can't lapse. It's not a policy that can be cheated. Amen. 
We are covered from accusation if you have that Holy Spirit covering you. In Revelation 12.10 explains there is coming a day when the accuser, the one who is making all these accusations, will finally be silenced. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Why? Because the accuser of our brethren is cast down. This covering ensures that we will not be accused permanently, which accuse them before our God day and night. The other thing we're covered from is trouble. We're covered from trouble. Second Corinthians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. When you have no one else to turn to, when uh, you are away from church or you may be in a situation, you can turn and you can say, Jesus. You can say, Father, help me. That's what Jesus did. Who comforts us, verse 4, in all our troubles. When you have faith, when you have trust in God, you know that when you can't see anyone, there is still angels around you because the Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him. In other words, them that reverence him. In other words, them that believe him. In other words, them that trust him. John 16, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble or tribulation, but take heart. In other words, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. So that we can too. We're covered by this Holy Spirit from trouble. That means not that we won't experience trouble, but we have a covering to get through it. Not that we won't be attacked, but that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Not that there won't be tongues rising up, but they will be silenced. Amen. Trust God. That's what it comes down to. He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You know, when you have this Holy Spirit, when you have trust in God, when you have faith in God, you know in the end we're going to win. Psalms 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and an ever-present help in time of trouble. That's what I'm talking about. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall, Into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. That's if you have faith. If you trust God, no matter what your eyesight may be telling you, it's not the whole truth. If God opens our spiritual eyes, we can see like Elisha's servant that the mountains are surrounded with his angels. The Bible says underneath are the everlasting arms. We are covered from trouble. We are covered... From spiritual attack. John 10.27 says. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We're covered from spiritual attack. That does not mean we won't be attacked. But we are covered. The Bible says that if we put on the whole armor of God, we will be able to stand. If we take on that shield of 
faith will be able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. And that shield of faith is part of God's spirit covering. Amen. Because when we get the Holy Spirit, we should have a measure of faith. The Bible speaks about the gift of faith. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all. And no man, this should, this should bring us comfort. This should bring us peace. This should bring us life. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I am absolutely sure that on the night that they came to arrest Jesus, they came to arrest all of them. In John, it says they sent a whole um, cohort, which would be about 600 soldiers. They intended on arresting all of them. But Jesus gave them a command voice, leave them alone. And they could not touch him. It's me you want. I am he. And just saying that, the I am he, they all fell back. He has promised that we, he will never leave us nor forsake us. When we are covered, when we have that final covering. See, the covering under the law was the blood. But we know in Hebrews it says that the blood of, of, of goats and animals could not continually clean. They could not forever do it because they were not giving their lives willingly. But Jesus said, I come to lay down my life. No man taketh from me, but I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to pick it up. His sacrifice was more than enough to cover us with his grace and with the spirit. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17, and this is one we always quote. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the... That means this is our inheritance. This is our right. This is our um, blessing. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. When you are covered... See, when the prodigal son came back and they put on the robe and the ring, that meant he had every right restored as a son. He could give orders to the servants. It wasn't the second-hand robe. It was the best robe. The thing that we also need to be covered from is fear. Psalms 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. This psalm is one of the psalms that they would sing. It's called a, a psalm of ascent. And what it meant was they would journey up the hill towards the temple and they would be singing. They would be singing this song. I will lift up mine eyes, not to the hills. It's a question. I lift up mine eyes to the mountains or to the hills. Is that where my help comes from? Really, that's what it's trying to say. No, not from the high places. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. This is the promise of the covering. Israel was always covered. The cloud was over them on their journey. When the sun got up, the cloud shielded them. At night, the, the fire warmed them. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now 
and forevermore. This is the benefit of the final covering. The sprinkling of blood and the animals could not do it. But when Jesus said it is finished, when he said into your hands, Father, commend I my spirit, so that 50 days later that same spirit could be poured out and once again there could be sons of God covered from fear. But there's so many blessings and parts to this um, Holy Spirit. We're covered too from weakness. One of my favorite chapters that Paul read when he had a problem and he asked for it three times to be removed and it seemed as if it wasn't happening and God explained something. God gave him a revelation. He said, my grace is sufficient. You may be struggling with something that you've asked God to deal with and what he's really saying is, just chill. My grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Once Paul got that theme, once he got that understanding, therefore he says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Now this is a hard thing. When, when last did you delight in your, in your troubles? For when I am weak, then I am strong. One of the benefits of the Holy Spirit is that it comes to comfort our infirmities, to cover our weaknesses, to make us strong when we are feeling weak, when we acknowledge Him, when we give these problems to Him. Amen. And of course, one of the last things that we are covered from is a loss of faith. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. That's what Paul, the way Paul looked at his troubles. It says, it's not just there to make me miserable. It's not just there to give me pain, but it's there to give me something special. It says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. Imagine looking at your problem that way, that there is a purpose in it, even though you can't see it, that it is actually working something into your character, into your spirit, into your faith. In fact, that's what it's actually doing. It's building up your faith because when you come through it, when you have gotten out of it, you can look back and your faith will be built up. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen. You can't look at the storm. You have to look at Jesus. But on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, whatever you're looking at, it's just for a season. But it's the word that stands eternal. It's the word that will not change. But on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, that whole verse, two verses, is so profound. It's so contrary to human reasoning. The way we look at things is what we can see is concrete and permanent. Paul is, is giving a spiritual uh, revelation there. That's not true. It's God's word that you can't see that is eternal. And when we put our faith on that, and when we are put our faith in his plan of salvation, we are covered. Our faith will recover when we go through these things because we look at the things not as they are right now, but as God sees them, 
a temporary situation. Lastly, probably one of the greatest things we're covered with is his grace. 1 Peter 5 says, cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Most of the time, Satan makes us doubt whether God loves us. He points to the things we're going through and say, see, if God loved you, why would he let you go through that? And of course, on Sunday, I asked the question, how do you know God loves you? And people told me all the usual suspects, because he died for us, because he said he loves us, and all the things. And they left out one of the greatest things, proofs, that God loves us. And he said, I chastise those that I love. Sometimes we go through some correction because God loves us. He's actually proving to us he loves us. Otherwise, he would just let us do whatever we want. Your enemy, the devil, is on the prowl, going around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. The Bible says what you're going through is not unusual. So so many of us think, wow, you don't understand what I'm going through. It's so unique. Well, the Bible tells us, no, it's not. The Bible says Jesus was in all points tempted, such as we are. What is written in the New Testament is a fraction of what Jesus' life involved. Just a fraction. The Bible says that the whole books in the world could not contain everything. So we are summarized by saying that he was in all points tempted. What you're going through is not unusual, the scripture says, but is common to man. Common to man. Hurt feelings, that's common to man. Betrayal, that is common to man. People speaking against you, nope, that's not so unusual. It's common to man. But the devil will use that to make you think that you're not covered, that you are not under his grace. Verse 10 says, and the God of all grace, he is the God of all unmerited favor. He's the God that loves you, that proves it to you. After you have suffered a little while, now we don't like that, but after you have suffered a little while, if you've been covered, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Isn't that amazing? 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast our cares upon him. Go into his rest. Trust him because you can't cover yourself. As I said, the prodigal son had no resources to cover himself. It was impossible. He didn't maybe even have a change of clothes. Maybe he came home in rags. But it did not matter once the father covered him. And this is the thing that is most important. After grace, we're covered by his love. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into this world that we might live through him. He gave us, in other words, the covering of his spirit. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Bible then goes on to say, if you can't love your brother, then don't claim to love God who you can't see. 
we are covered by his love. And so many times that's the hardest thing uh, to believe when we're going through our circumstance. Satan will make us want to doubt, to make us lose our faith. But remember this, that he loves you. Amen. And we're covered by his blood. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. It's the washing. Remember what came out of his side when the spear was put in? Blood and water. 1 John 5, 6 says, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Amen. You see, the Bible then goes on Revelation to say that he has washed us from our sins in his own blood. That water that came out of his side that was mixed with blood represents that cleansing, that delivering power. Now, before all of this can really uh, be of value to us, we have to do something about this flesh. We have to do something about this flesh. All of these benefits and coverings won't do us any good if we still feed the flesh, if we do not try to die daily. God's plan was for the body eventually to die because at some point they had to get rid of the tent to have the temple. Would you choose to live in the tent when you can have the temple? At some point, David had a plan to build the temple. Of course, because of his previous shedding of blood, God designated Solomon to do that. Once they got into the promised land, they They pitched the tabernacle at a permanent place called Gilgal. But that was not where God's Spirit wanted to be permanently. There was going to be a proper temple built. God wants us to not stay in this tent. And for that, the body has to die. Amen. Genesis 3.19 says, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. If you understand what God's plan is, you will not fear death as much. All it is for the Christian who is walking with God, who is filled with the Spirit, is a transition. It is but a change. Amen? Because Paul says, if our earthly tabernacle were to be dissolved, don't worry, God hath got something better, eternal in the heavens. Yes, we miss our friends But one day, if they are faithful, if they are walking with God, we shall be reunited. You see, Romans 6, 4 gives us the procedure for, therefore, if we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Every day, we've got to put this flesh to death so that the glory of God, so that our tabernacle can remain pure. Because the flesh wants to bring corruption. The flesh wants to bring defilement. And of course, this body is going to turn to dust. And that's the food of Satan. Because the serpent was promised, that's all you're going to get. Dust shalt thou eat all the days of your life. This body does belong to Satan. But the Bible says you don't have to yield it to him. You don't have to yield it to him because you don't have to obey him. He only gets it when it turns to dust for the Christian. 
So after man sinned, the only part of his makeup, of his threefold nature that really belonged to him still was the soul. Romans 7.22, that's why Paul said, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Our body, our flesh will deceive us, especially if we walk in the flesh. If that's what we're thinking about all the time is carnal things, the Bible says that that is spiritual death. But if we will be meditating on spiritual things, that is life. Amen. So it's a choice about what you're going to think about. If all you're thinking about is carnal things, then you will be miserable. Because all the weight of the world, all of the issues, all the problems will be what is foremost in your spirit. But if you start to think about God's deliverance, God's blessing, the time he saved you, the time he did a miracle for you, the time he blessed you, the time there was no hope. I mean, all you can do is smile and give God glory. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inward man. God hasn't promised us to live forever in this body. At some point, if you live long enough, this body has to turn to dust so that you can move from the tent into the temple. The problem with us is because we have not seen the temple with our eyes. But you can see it today through the word of God by faith. See, while the body still lived, the soul can remain. But once the body died, it had to go somewhere. It can't stay in the physical realm. It had to go somewhere. Now, before Jesus came, the only place for it to go was Sheol or the grave. Amen? The Bible tells us that the body is dead because of sin. Romans 7.23, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. In other words, in my flesh. He's asking in Romans 7, how can I get out of this situation where my flesh is always tripping me up? And of course, he answers it in Romans 8 and says, By the, but through the law of the spirit of life hath Delivered me from the law of sin and death through the Spirit. Amen. See, Jesus came to give us this covering spirit, to deliver us from the bondage of the flesh. Hebrews 2.14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death, that means his death, he might destroy him that had the power of the death. That is the devil. That's what Jesus came to do. That's why he had to die in the flesh so he could destroy the power of death. Amen. Well, we're not going to go too long in this lesson. There's still a little bit, bit more to go. But I just want to encourage you to let you know that this month as we study God's Holy Spirit, that there is so much benefits. There are so many aspects of it starting with God's covering, starting with his promise of deliverance, starting with the insurance policy of all the things that we're covered from, amen, with no accusation, amen, can stand against us, that we are passed from death unto life, amen. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit 
is made alive. Hallelujah. If you could, wherever you are right now, join with me in prayer. And we're going to pray that God will manifest His Spirit even more powerfully in your life. That you will understand that we are on a journey. Right now we're in the wilderness. We're still in this tabernacle. But God has promised us a house in the heavens, not made with hands. In John 14, He said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. Amen. Someone said he's taken only uh, seven days to build the physical universe. And yet he's taken almost 2,000 years to build the mansions. Can you imagine what heaven will look like? Can you imagine what it will be like to be done with this mess, with these tribulations, with these uh, uh, chaos that is in our lives today? The Bible says, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. If we just look at some of the scriptures tonight that I have read, which tell us that we can, we can endure, amen, that we can make it if we are covered by the Spirit. Yes, there will be attacks. Yes, the enemy will come to destroy us. But he said, nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We ask it to bless. We ask it, O God, to find good soil, that it will encourage us, that it will edify us, that it will lift us up, Lord God, that we will look ever more uh, with with anticipation for your coming, Lord, and that we can endure to the end. Lord, we just ask you to let your Holy Spirit cover us completely, that your angels encamp around us. Give us the faith to endure. We give you the praise. Praise and the glory in Jesus' name.